the patients themselves are a very diverse cross-section of different backgrounds, different experiences. All of them are undergoing an experience that I really enjoy seeing them recover and I enjoy being a part of their feeling of wellness. The term natural looking is something women use in all kinds of contexts. I want my hair color to look natural, my makeup to look natural. But what if you are battling breast cancer and keeping the breasts that you were born with is no longer an option? There are many options for reconstruction, but there are a few techniques that go beyond the standard implant. Is it possible to perhaps look as if breast cancer didn't ever happen? I'm Suzanne Stone, and this is the More Than Pink podcast. Dr. Christine Fisher spent most of her postdoctoral training at the University of Pittsburgh. But during that time, she also worked at the Armed Forces Institute of Regenerative Medicine as a research fellow. But it was her personal experience with breast cancer in her own family that inspired her journey into breast reconstruction. So Dr. Fisher, the word natural really gets thrown around a lot. What does it mean when we talk about natural reconstruction? I think there are two ways you can look at the concept of natural breast reconstruction. One is having a natural-looking breast aesthetic, and that's the harmonious appearance of a breast in that it fits the body, is proportionate, balanced, and in the correct position on the body. So in that way, we're using the word natural-looking to mean beautiful, symmetrical, healthy. Patients often after breast cancer treatment want to look and feel healthy and well after they've had their um, breast cancer treated and cured so that when they look in the mirror later, years later, they see a healthy person and they're not reminded of the illness that they experienced. And so helping someone have a natural looking result goes a long way to feeling that psychological wellness. But another way to look at the term natural breast reconstruction relates to What is your breast made of? Some patients are not interested in implant-based breast reconstruction. Although silicone breast implants have been well-studied in the last several decades and have been shown to have no increased risk of uh, complications systemically related to silicone, there is a very rare and very low rate with textured implants of having something called ALCL, which is a indolent lymphoma in the breast scar capsule. And so um, for these reasons and for other reasons, some patients would prefer not to have a breast implant for the reconstruction. For patients who would not like to have an implant-based reconstruction after mastectomy or for a patient who um, has have radiation as part of their care plan, we recommend living tissue-based breast reconstruction in which we use excess tissue from, for example, in most patients, the abdomen, or in other patients, we might use the inner thigh to reshape and recreate a breast using the patient's own living tissue. So this surgery most frequently is the deep flap breast reconstruction surgery in which we do what is very much like a tummy tuck surgery, but we plan the incision pattern based on creating a low scar with a beautiful abdominal contour, abdomen shape after the tissue is removed, and we keep the most important blood vessel that feeds that skin and fat and a segment of the main blood vessel that feeds that, 
we map that by doing a CT angiogram before surgery. And when we do that CT angiogram, we can create a very clear three-dimensional map of the location of that sprinkler head-like blood vessel that's the most important feeder vessel for that lower tummy area. So just like in a tummy tuck, we can take that tissue, just the skin and fat, not taking the muscle or the fascia, bring that feeding blood vessel and a little segment of pipe, take the tissue and shape it to recreate the shape and volume of the gland that was removed during the mastectomy, and then place that skin and fat into the space in which the mastectomy was done and replace the skin and fat volume that was removed in the mastectomy. Then the blood vessel can be sewn into a little artery branch and a little venous branch so that we have blood flow in and out of that tissue. You can then close the skin and you have a beautiful, soft, living breast made of the patient's own skin and fat. The nice thing about this reconstruction is that once the patient heals, they have the highest likelihood of lifetime satisfaction with their breast shape and feel and they have the lowest lifetime incidence in studies looking at patient satisfaction. They have the lowest incidence of return to the operating room for revision because that tissue doesn't need to be replaced or reoperated on later for most patients. So although the recovery is a little longer after the deep flap surgery, patient satisfaction is high. So this is a type of natural uh, breast reconstruction for the patients who either need that because of radiation or who prefer that because they don't desire breast implants. This is really a whole new way of looking at breast implants or, you know, most of us who knock on wood are not in the Breast Cancer Club have never even considered this, you know, as an option. Um, But not only are you able to give a woman her breasts back in a very truly, you know, natural way as it's her own tissue, Um, also giving her a tummy tuck at the same time. Not a bad deal. Right. And patients who, unfortunately, are planning a mastectomy don't necessarily need to be a large-bodied person to have excess tissue on their lower tummy. I myself am a mother of three. I am approximately a size 6 or a size 8, depending on what clothing. And I can tell you that women with a moderate body fitness level who are not overweight do have enough tissue on their lower tummy because all women have curves. There is enough there to make a proportionate breast size for most patients, whether it's a B cup, C cup, or D cup. Um, We're able to make a a pretty looking breast for just about every body habitus. Um, Actually, patients who are heavier often have a slightly higher incidence of wound healing complications. The leaner, fitter patients have a lower incidence of wound healing uh, risk and so, um, but I've heard a few patients tell me that um, a surgeon I saw before said I wasn't a candidate for that reconstruction. And any patient who's trying to find out what options are available to them should see m- multiple surgeons to get opinions before um, they decide what they would like to do. I think that's a good idea. What are some of the considerations that a patient is going to go through when they see multiple surgeons around choosing if if you're going to have a silicone implant or to do this natural reconstruction? What are some of the things they should think about? Well, I think when you're picking a reconstructive plastic surgeon, you need to meet a surgeon or two who do offer all options for breast reconstruction and are experienced in offering those options. Many times I see patients who are 
trying to decide what treatment options best for them, and they're using their reconstructive trajectory as part of that decision-making process. Perhaps they're a candidate for a lumpectomy or a mastectomy, and they're trying to decide what's the best fit for them. Well, it's important for a patient to find out about all options for breast reconstruction. Breast conservation means a lumpectomy in which after the lumpectomy, you can have a reshaping of the remaining tissue out of your own existing gland to create a a pretty-looking natural breast that is proportionate to your body. So for someone who has a little bit more ptosis or a little bit more volume, they may have a lumpectomy to remove the cancer and to remove a little bit of the surrounding tissue, but then they can immediately, while still asleep, have the remaining tissue reshaped into a lifted and slightly smaller breast. So for if a woman is pendulous or has heavy breasts, this is an excellent option for her. Although if you do have a lumpectomy, then you will need radiation after an invasive cancer treatment. So there really are quite a few things to think about. There are. If somebody is planning a mastectomy, um, they may choose to have a one-sided mastectomy, a unilateral mastectomy in which the glands are removed from one breast, or they may decide that they would prefer a bilateral mastectomy. Now, if one side of a breast has um, an invasive cancer, that doesn't mean the patient is necessarily at a higher risk for the other breast to develop breast cancer, and that sometimes is a psychological Um, it's a psychological struggle for some patients when they feel that they've really gone through um, a very traumatizing medical experience with, you know, they have a mammogram, then suddenly they're having a biopsy and now another, they're meeting multiple doctors. um, And this all happens in a bit of a whirlwind. It's a little overwhelming. And occasionally I see a patient who says, you know, um, my right breast has cancer. I want them both off. But if the patient doesn't necessarily, a patient doesn't necessarily need a bilateral mastectomy just because one breast has cancer unless they have the gene for breast cancer. And there are screening tools that can be used and tests that can be done to determine whether the patient does have a genetic component to the breast cancer diagnosis. So I, I do like to spend extra time with patients talking about their plan, their motivation, their concerns and questions. If we talk about lumpectomy and oncoplastic rearrangement of the remaining tissue, we also would then, of course, as part of that, lift the other breast to create symmetry. Otherwise, a patient planning a mastectomy in some cases may not need radiation. So for that patient, then we decide, are we having a one-sided mastectomy or a bilateral mastectomy? And that is a decision that is discussed with the reconstructive surgeon as well as with the oncologic surgeon and the oncologist who's managing their care. Um, Once they've decided that they would like a mastectomy, then there's two possible pathways. They can choose to have an implant-based reconstruction, or they may have uh, a deep flap or living tissue type breast reconstruction, and there are several of those available. Occasionally, I have a patient who is not certain whether they're having radiation or not, Now, remember that if the patient does need radiation, they will not be a good candidate for implant-based reconstruction because there's a much higher risk of implant failure, implant infection, tightening and hardening of the breast called capsular contracture or other short- and long-term complications related to irradiating a breast that has an implant. Um, The tightening of the breast can cause an asymmetry or pain that is really unpleasant for patients as well long-term. 
also because of those higher complication rates with implant reconstruction and radiation treatment, generally we recommend that patients who are planning radiation have living tissue reconstruction. But if a patient is unsure if they are needing radiation or they think it's likely they need radiation, sometimes we will put in a tissue expander, which is like a balloon shaped like a breast that has a small port. We can place that in the space where the gland was removed at the time of mastectomy and keep the breast shape in a natural shape. Um, I sometimes call this the babysitter approach to breast reconstruction because that balloon will babysit the skin or hold the skin in a nice natural shape until we have all of our treatment plan in place. The pathologist will look at the glandular tissue. Will The oncologist will talk to the pathologist. They'll run some special tests. They'll look at the lymph nodes. The oncologic surgeon will make a plan with the medical oncologist. And at this time, after the mastectomy, for some patients, we have a complete picture of the medical treatment that they need. If they do need radiation, then we can radiate the expander and the skin of the breast without radiating the contents of the breast because of the babysitter expander. Later, after the uh, radiation injury to the skin softens and after the, um, it's like a deep sunburn radiation. So after the breast is soft and relaxed and the skin looks healthy again, we can go back and put living tissue into the space that the tissue expander created. And now we've brought in healthy blood supply, which nourishes that radiated skin and we have a nice, healthy living breast without the long-term consequences of potentially placing a silicone implant into that um, irradiated pocket. So for that patient, they've had a little bit of a hybrid reconstruction. At first, they had an expander, they radiated the breast, and later came back and put in living tissue. And so that's an interesting approach to a a nice, long-standing, long-lasting reconstruction. It certainly sounds like the option can work for almost any patient as long as there's a lot of thought and a lot of consideration taken. And it it's certainly sounds like it's a team effort. It's not a one physician, um, one physician effort at all. Exactly. And I think it's so important for um, the patients to choose a doctor that does do quite a bit of breast reconstruction and is familiar with all of the options and is able to discuss those. And I think it's important for the reconstructive surgeon to take a lot of time with the patient with breast cancer to talk through all options and to explain why they may or may not be a candidate for each reconstructive modality. Another thing that we hear a lot in the breast cancer space is around the the breast nipple itself because you know we think about a mastectomy so everything's gone how do you how do you recreate that what do you what are some options for patients regarding the the nipple reconstruction. Sure. Well, first, let's talk about the need to remove nipples, just briefly, because it's been wonderful this last decade or so, uh, the research that's come out on maintaining the nipple as part of the breast envelope at the time of mastectomy. There are many breast surgeons who are able to maintain a viable and healthy nipple on the breast at the time of mastectomy. So if you think about the breast, Um, the mastectomy surgeon is in some patients able to open incision along the fold hidden underneath the breast. They then will remove the entire contents of the breast. If you think of the breast like a pillow with a futon or duvet cover over the pillow, the mastectomy surgeon, for some patients, they're able to 
lift the duvet cover off of the glandular pillow, remove that glandular pillow, and now you have the envelope of the breast that's empty, but you've saved the nipple for that patient. Then the reconstructive surgeon can come in while the patient's still asleep and either place a tissue expander, an implant, or living tissue into that pocket, maintaining a healthy, natural-looking breast. And when the incision's been closed, that mastectomy incision is hidden under the breast. This is my most favorite, and I, I feel the most beautiful method of reconstruction and mastectomy that can be done today. Not every patient's a candidate for nipple-sparing mastectomy. Patients who have a tumor less than two centimeters, that's at least a few centimeters from the nipple, that has minimal nodal involvement, those are important criteria. So the reconstructed plastic surgeon will need to work in concert with the breast cancer surgeon to be sure that the patient's a good fit. Additionally, patients who have a great deal of ptosis or uh, nipple descent, if their breasts are long or very large, they may not be a great candidate for nipple spray mastectomy, but there are many patients who are candidates. For patients who do need to have their nipples removed, whether because of the breast shape or the location or size of the cancer, there are options for reshaping and rebuilding a nipple. We can create a nipple out of the remaining skin for those having an implant reconstruction. Um, if you think of, think of this as a little bit of skin origami, we're able to make a twist or a little cylinder of skin using two tabs of skin from the breast itself to create a nipple. And that nipple becomes a three-dimensional, uh, sorry, and that nipple becomes a three-dimensional a little button of skin that then the tattoo artist who recreates the areolar skin tone and the rosy or tan skin tone of the areola, they can center that tattooing around that nipple so that you have a three-dimensional projection with the correct color and, a, and correct texture of, of, of an areola. So that can really make a beautiful reconstruction for patients. But when I do a deep flap reconstruction after the nipple has been removed, so we would call that a skin-sparing mastectomy, where they saved the breast skin but removed the nipple, and then we can use that tummy and place it in the pocket. I like to make a nipple at the time of the reconstruction on the skin paddle of the deep flap. So I will have a little glandular replacement from the tummy, skin and fat, and I'll have a disc of skin from the tummy that's still attached to it. Then I'll make the nipple on that tummy tissue that's been placed into the breast so that when the patient who had an immediate deep flap wakes up, I've already reconstructed her nipple. So when she looks at her breast, she sees a round, living, soft breast made of her own tissue with a circle on the front and a nipple at the center. When she heals, she's ready for tattooing. Um, this is another excellent way to do reconstruction. But occasionally patients weren't able to have an immediate nipple reconstruction. Then there was a few pathways for nipple reconstruction. You can take the skin origami approach where you lift two tabs and create a cylinder, or you can use full thickness skin grafting to take a little piece of extra skin from another place and transfer that skin onto the surface to create a little projection. So I usually like to talk to the patients and see um, what approach they'd like to take. Would they like larger nipples or smaller? Would they like to have minimal protrusion? Many patients would say, I would prefer not to have um, large nipples because I don't always want to have to wear a bra. And so for patients who would prefer a smoother look, they may prefer to have three-dimensional areolar tattooing only. 
I fly in a tattoo artist. She's lovely, and she comes in from California. She comes once a month, and she does a photorealistic three-dimensional tattoo that looks like an areola with the glandular component with a projecting-looking nipple, except in reality it's completely smooth. And so um, that's the final option is no actual reconstruction surgically of a nipple, but the patient could have the appearance of a nipple, which looks good. Ultimately, I think whatever is important to the patient um, is important to me and my team. And so I, I try to find out what's, what their preferences are and then guide them through the options. I have no doubt that the experience is, is incredible to help somebody heal from such a traumatic experience. I wanted, to, I wanted to touch a little bit on breastfeeding. And so many women are diagnosed when they're young and they still have an opportunity to perhaps to have kids. Is that something that can still happen after a nipple sparing reconstruction? If a patient undergoes a nipple sparing mastectomy and a breast reconstruction, they will not be able to breastfeed after the mastectomy because the glandular portion of the breast where milk is created is what is removed at the time of mastectomy. So for my young patients, and I've had many who are um, in their 20s, 30s, um, or 40s who plan to have a, a child or another child who have breast cancer, we sometimes will have a one-sided mastectomy saving the other breast so that we're able to nurse from the breast that did not have a mastectomy. <clears throat> for patients who do, though, have a need for a bilateral mastectomy, um, we've recommended that they get connected with the milk bank, and there are lovely women who um, will pump extra milk and then donate it, and they've been screened and are healthy, and they're willing to donate uh, for those who would like to use natural milk for their babies. What about sensation overall? What is it, do they, while they look beautiful, what, is, what would a woman be able to expect from a sensation standpoint? Can she feel everything still? The nipples are less sensitive after a mastectomy because much of the sensation to the nipple comes through the gland, although some of it does come through the skin. That um, sensual and light sensation to the nipple um, often is coming from ribs three, four, five, and directly through the gland. So when the gland has been removed, the nipple is less sensitive. Some patients will say they have a sensation after 12 months post-mastectomy and onward. They'll feel touch to the nipple or they'll feel heat. Maybe they'll feel cold, but they don't feel light touch and they don't have an erogenous sensation. <clears throat> the nipple is no longer able to relax and contract the way it did before. So it'll have more static appearance. So there's still so much you can do. Of course, it won't be perfect, but it sounds like it's about as close to, about as close to perfect as it could be. Well, I think it's um, ideal for patients. The perfect situation for any patient <clears throat> who's had breast cancer is if they can get the correct medical treatment in a timely fashion, have the correct surgical removal of the tissue that needs to be removed, and move forward in life and be able to look into the mirror, um, not just what other people think of how they look or how they fit into clothes, but better if they look in the mirror at themselves when they see themselves and they look healthy and they're not reminded of an illness. 
and that they are moving on in life and feeling whole and healthy. So ultimately, anything we can do to help a patient um, move forward in a strong and confident way and feeling healthy, I think it's going to be a good thing. Really sounds like you're not just a surgeon, but you're also sculpting and painting, really, um, recreating a picture of who they were before. Well, I'm passionate about helping patients feel whole and feel well after uh, breast cancer treatment. I had breast cancer in my family on, on both my mother and my father's side, and I've seen that journey um, close at hand from, from my childhood onward, and I've always just found um, interacting with the breast cancer patients from the time that I was a, a medical student and onward through residency and in my career to be the most rewarding um, relationships that I've had uh, with patients. Um, the patients themselves are um, a diverse subset of a cross-section, a very diverse cross-section of patients, um, different backgrounds, different experiences, um, but all of them are undergoing an experience that um, I really enjoy seeing them recover and I enjoy being a part of their feeling of wellness. And I find that to be a very rewarding professionally and emotionally. Michelangelo said, every block of stone has a statue inside it and it's the task of the sculptor to discover it. For Dr. Fisher and reconstructive surgeons everywhere, the vision they have of what a breast that's been ravaged by breast cancer can be, can look like, is inspiring and life-changing. Whole Logic, thanks so much for helping to make this and every podcast possible. Thanks also to iHeart Media Studios on South Congress in the most amazing city in the country, Austin, Texas. We couldn't do it without you. Thanks, Mike, for always being here for us to put all the pieces together. Thanks to the Komen Austin team who makes everything happen behind the scenes. But most of all, I wanna say thanks to our donors who save lives every day by investing in the work that we do. I hope that if you're on social media, you'll follow us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even YouTube. Tell us what you think, what you want to hear about, because we really love to hear from you. Susan G. Komen Austin is an affiliate of Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Foundation. And if you need resources, information, or just have a comment about this or any of our episodes, let us know. You can find us at podcast at komenaustin.org or always on the web at komenaustin.org. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, always be more than pink.